0: Well, let me welcome back Kevin Luco here to Systematically Wild, and and Kevin, uh, Christmas holiday time, so not a lot of action going on, but we did see some exciting games heading up to the break.
1: Boy, didn't we though? The Minnesota Wild just have a natch for the dramatic lately, and it's been a, it's been a fun follow. You know, the, uh, I think we talked about it last week, the big overtime win against the Bruins, and then. Go to overtime, one of eight seconds left against Montreal, and then get another win against Boston. So, if you're a Minnesota Wild fan, uh, if you're going to games, you're getting your money's
0: worth. Absolutely, nice, nice stretch after going three and zero last week. They come away three and one this week. So, yeah, I'll take six and one heading into the Christmas break any time of year.
1: Consider what we were looking at
0: around Thanksgiving, yes, I would take that in a heartbeat. You know, it's amazing to see the kind of turnaround this team has had. It, you know, I, we talked about it at the time of the coaching change that sometimes that could be the catalyst that a team is really looking for to, to turn around their fortunes and, boy, really responding. It, it's amazing how this team has embraced a new coaching staff's beliefs.
1: And not only that, they're doing it shorthanded with uh, Brodine and Spurgeon both out, and now Matt Hartman's missed some games. Matt Sugarello is out with the – it looks like to be a little bit of a
0: lengthy injury, so
1: not only winning but doing it with a little bit of
0: short-staffed. And you gotta like when you can get that kind of productivity, and you're not even at full strength. You gotta feel the the uh, fortunes going forward. Have gotta be really bright for this team right now. So. I think
1: the well, whole thing's been The uh, whole thing's been a breakout party for Brock Faber playing. 30-plus minutes a night, and you definitely notice him out there. He's, you know, he's – got to remind yourself at times that he's a rookie because he's just so poised on the ice, and he's – him and Jake Miller are
0: just playing a ton of minutes right now. Well, let's talk about the week. You and I had gone over Monday night's game. We'll just say briefly again, uh, Pittsburgh jumps out to a 3 nothing lead only to see Minnesota battle back and tie the score before falling late. Then, as Kevin talked about, incredible performance on Tuesday night as they go into Boston Garden and come away with a 4-3 victory in overtime. Um, you, you're starting to really feel like this team falls behind 2-1 to one in, the, in the first and then battles back to take the lead before Boston's able to tie the score. But Kaprizov with his 10th goal of the season to get the game winner. And, Kevin, that's – no, Boston Garden is not the easiest place to win in the world. And when you win a game there, you, you got to feel like that's a little extra special victory beyond two points.
1: Boston Garden? Wow, you're going way I back. whatever they're
0: calling themselves. Yeah, I am old. Whatever they're calling themselves now. I think uh, TV Garden now. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, so something
1: like the that. The place yeah. now has things like um, air conditioning and a full-size
0: rink. <laughs> they ruined it. <laughs> That's what's yep. wrong with it. Ah uh, Johansson with a power play goal in that game. Kevin Kaprizov with two goals in the contest. Ryan Hartman gets the other one. Seeing Kaprizov look like for a little while, he kind of was slowed down. Uh, it just seemed wasn't points weren't coming his way, but starting to catch fire here again re- recently.
1: Well, in an interview that Dean Evason had after he was relieved of his duties, he he did make a, a pretty vague reference that. Kaprizov was dealing with injuries yet, so maybe we're just finally seeing him getting healthy again.
0: Flurry with 40 saves in that game, Kevin. Uh, Minnesota scores on their only power play opportunity. Boston goes one for three on the power play. Still looking to see this team go a little bit better with their special teams trying to kill off penalties, but um, you're getting scoring across the board, and you're getting a lot more guys involved in, you know, assisting and getting involved in in adding to the uh, offensive productivity for the club. So I think that's a really good sign, especially on the road. Again, you come away one-on-one with that little two-game trip there. You have
1: to, you know, when you're not playing at full strength. It's got to be everybody else picking up the slack.
0: Well, then we come home, Kevin to uh, welcome Montreal, and as you said, very dramatic game here as they win in overtime with Kaprizov scoring in the last five seconds of that contest to give them the victory. He comes away with a goal and two assists out of that contest, and as you've watched them, I mean, you've been watching Minnesota Wild uh, with a, a great deal of, of attention and focus. Could you Do you kind of feel like an injury is, is healing or, or just something different right now is going his way?
1: I I'd say it's a little it's a combination of both. You know, he's getting some success, and he's um, might be physically feeling better, and you know, things just are clicking right now. And change of line mates may have may have sparked some extra energy in him too. Not that he doesn't like playing with Zuccarello, but you know, he's with Boldy and Erickson now, so you know, it's always. You know, it's just like with anything in life, you know, it's it's nice to do change things up a bit.
0: Boldy with the first goal in that contest on the power play, his ninth of the season. Marco Rossi gets his eleventh goal in that period as well to make it two nothing. Montreal battles back with two goals to tie the score. Uh, Favor gets his second goal of the season again on the power play, their second power play goal of the night to put Minnesota back on top. But a late goal in the third period with a little over three minutes left. Winds up tying the score, forcing overtime, and that is where Kaprizov delivers the game winner, his 11th of the season. He had a goal and two assists, as I mentioned. Rossi with a goal and two assists as well in that contest, and and boy, it really looks like that combination as you're talking about right there. Polina was on and uh, with him on the his uh, Rossi's goal in that contest, but he had his assist in the uh, first goal for Kaprizov and added an assist later on on the favor goal, and you know. It, those guys really are connecting, which is an interesting combination. You have Kaprizov, who's, you know, the veteran star-studded guy who's really come up with uh, – I mean, veteran in just a few years kind of thing, but is, is really just the, the the superstar of the team. Boldy, you know, still trying to prove himself in the NHL, but, boy, those two really click well.
1: And they need to, you know, when you look at the, – they gave – they showed enough faith in Boldy to give him a seven-year contract, I believe, $49 million, so – He's got to be... Boldy needs to be playing like he is, or he, they need to be getting his money to out of him. You know, on the first goal, too, I mean, Montreal's defense just left Boldy wide open, and Boldy's enough of a threat. If you give him time, he's going to... He's going to take advantage of his chances. But I thought Montreal... Another night. Montreal did a good job at bouncing back from a 2 nothing deficit. I thought they... Took it to Minnesota pretty well in the second and third periods, and for a while you're just thinking, "Well, geez, are they going to get out of here with two points?" But um, the Wild managed to get it done in overtime.
0: Yes, yeah, Kevin mentions Montreal outshoots Minnesota in the second, twelve-four, outshot them in the third as well, eight to five. Yeah, I, I wonder if I mean you know Montreal is not. Not a team that's really ranked in the high. I mean, they're struggling a little bit over the last four or five years. It hasn't been Montreal that you and I knew as a kid. Um, but uh, is there anything you think a team like that takes away for themselves when you battle back twice in that contest to tie the score and then you lose on like the la- literally the last seconds of the game in overtime and you come, and, and I mean, you get a point out of it. But but I wonder if a team like that takes that as a success or goes, "Wow, we outplayed them so much of this contest, and just that one point is all we got."
1: Well, I think it's a good point. You know, when you consider that they battled back from down two nothing and then down three two, and Minnesota's, you know, when the Wild are playing well, Minnesota's a tough place to win and uh, you know uh, two days before they got a overtime win in Winnipeg so Montreal is although it got broke up by the Christmas break but Montreal is in the middle of a lengthy real trip right now so you know just even getting one point in some of these games is going to be good for the team.
0: Gustafson with 22 saves in that contest to earn the victory Uh, on just before the break uh, we got Boston coming to town there to take on Minnesota. A little rematch, but this time Minnesota didn't need to, to win it there in overtime as they fall behind 1-0, but are able to battle back with a goal in the second. Uh, that came off the stick of uh, Erickson Eck for his 15th of the year. Kaprizov then gives the team the lead with his 12th goal of the season and 4th goal in three nights. Foligno a, a, makes it a 3-1 lead with his 4th goal of the season in the third period. Boston able to cut the deficit to one with a little over six minutes left in the contest, but Minnesota able to hang on to this contest. Kevin is another great night there for Flurry. Stops nineteen to twenty-one shots, and the team comes to play with a big win. I thought
1: Boston all played Minnesota in the first period, and you had to imagine Boston after losing to Minnesota on Tuesday, and then on Friday night just getting clobbered in Winnipeg. You got to imagine, at least for the first period, the ruins were hell-bent on sending a message, but you know the Wild withstood it, only gave up one goal, and then I thought the rest of the game was dominated by Minnesota.
0: You know, speaking of that domination, Kevin, 19 shots for Minnesota in the the second period in that game, 11 in the the third, but 19 shots in a period in the NHL by one team, I mean, that's really kind of over the top it seems like. I mean, you see that in the ECHL all the time, and and, it's kind of like no big deal, but that seems like six or seven more shots than a team should be giving up in a period.
1: You know, it depends too. Uh, sometimes, uh, some of these arenas, uh, person in charge of doing the shots on goal gets a little too generous with the shot clock. So true. I'd have to say in Minnesota, Minnesota has been known as being one of the toughest ones as far as getting credit for shots on goal. So, you know, Read into
0: that as you wish. I forgot the hometown scorekeeper sometimes plays a role in these games. Uh, Oh, my God. Watch watch a Penn State
1: hockey game sometime. You'd think it's like maybe a 25, uh, 24 shots on goal game, and then you look at the box score, and it's like
0: 47 to 45. Well, Kevin, Detroit comes to town on – Wednesday continuing this three game homestand then Minnesota heads to Winnipeg on Saturday for a one o'clock game and then has a one o'clock game on Sunday against the Jets in a home and home series there um short little hops to Winnipeg so it's not a huge amount of travel early start for both of those contests which is always an interesting dynamic to these kind of games but uh a chance to, uh, you know, a division rival that you got going on, and and those are always games that are fun because Minnesota and Winnipeg seem to have a pretty good rival rivalry going on, and of course Winnipeg ahead of them in the standings, so big week for the team.
1: Yes, yeah, so Winnipeg's playing very well. I mean, you couldn't tell by the crowds are drawing, but they're having an incredible start to their season and find themselves at the top of the Central Division and. You know, you know you, you, like you said, it's going to be a tough one, I think, for Minnesota to try to get points on Saturday and Sunday. So, team's a little banged up yet. Um, they just announced on Tuesday afternoon that, although it was just clerical work, they sent Jake Lucchini and Damon Hunt to, back down to Iowa after the game on Saturday. And they were called right back up. And I believe that's because of salary cap purposes where that way their salaries didn't count for the, the holiday break time. I believe that's the case. I can't imagine why it would be any other thing. But point being, you know, Minnesota is still banged up. I'd be surprised if any of the injured guys come back for the three games this week
0: we need to always remember that one of the most important parts of the team is the team accountants, making sure that that salary cap working out correctly there. so
1: I tell you, the, okay. the, the, people that, the, the front office people that are in charge of keeping things going with the salary cap, I, I think that's one of the most underrated positions as far as um, a front office person goes in the NHL. I mean, those guys have to I be mathematical wizards.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you. And, uh, you know, the, not that the NHL is hovering over a team, waiting to find them or whatever for going over the salary cap or something, but but uh, maybe they are. Yeah, <laughs> I mean you know the ownership has big expectations on you, team coaches and staff and everything. Must make sure that they're always under that cap. So you got to be a little creative at times, as you talked about setting a guy down because for a few days around the Christmas holiday they're not going to be playing anyway. So why have them on the cap? you know, for yourself. So it's just one of those smart little things you got to do to save yourself literally nickels and dimes, I guess, at some point.
1: You know, the last thing you want to do is to mismanage it. And then, you know, towards the end of the year, because you're over, you got to play a game with um, less than a full lineup.
0: Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, Kevin, Winnipeg is in third place there in the Central Division at 29 and 3. They've won their last two games and are on a real hot streak here, too, 8-1-1 and in their last 10. So Winnipeg has had a couple of down years, but, boy, they look like they have some figured out something there north of the border, and those should be very, two very challenging games.
1: Yeah, I'm really surprised by their success up there because it looked like on the surface that they were in going into a Rebuilding phase, you know, by trading Pierre Luc Dubois to Los Angeles for futures. He thought that, okay, well, maybe Winnipeg's going to be down for a few years, but it's been just the opposite. The Jets have, Jets have gotten off to a great start.
0: Detroit is an interesting team to me, Kevin, because uh, I thought the last couple of years they were going to be a little bit better than what we've seen. It looked like goaltending was the big issue for them. This year, still kind of struggling with that. as They've had some injuries. James Reimer's coming there and, and, and played a lot of games. Uh, uh so there from, I believe I'm saying that right, who came over from St. Louis, I believe, a couple of years ago, um, has has been their number one guy. But they've had some of those guys have been out for a little bit there. So they've had to you know, rotate the goaltending a little bit, but still finding a way to be competitive in their division.
1: You know, they're a young, fast, rising team. You know, Steve Eisenman's overseeing things in st louis i mean in detroit right now and i'm sure that he wants to build that team in the mold of the red Wings teams that he was a part of in the 90s that won all those stanley cups so you know just a lot of young fast talent on that team but you're right with the goaltending um sounds like Husso is battling the groin issue right now so it's kind of been James Reimer's goal. And, you know, Reimer can have his moments, but you'd like to see that position solidified a little better if you're a Detroit fan.
0: Yeah, I think the unfortunate aspect for them comes playoff time is that you figure that, I mean, that's a very tough division. Boston, Toronto, Florida, Tampa Bay are, are going are to be the, probably the first four representatives coming out of that division. So you're really battling to see if you can get ahead of the Washington Capitals and Carolina Hurricanes teams, and those teams have a pretty formidable group. So, it, Detroit may have an outstanding season this year, but it looks like they're going to fall a little bit short of playoff um, fall uh, in the in the Eastern Conference this year.
1: You know, uh, Pat Kane, Patrick Kane, I thought was a good pickup for them. He provides leadership and the guy has been through the through the Stanley Cup playoff grind, of um, plenty, plenty of years. So we'll see what kind of effect that Keane has on this club.
0: Dropping down to the Iowa Wild and the AHL, tough week. All three games they had last week were against uh, Central Division opponents. They lose in Milwaukee 7-4, then come home and beat Manitoba on the first night on Friday 3-1, but get beaten down a little bit on Saturday, losing 5-2. So a 1-2 week against the Division opponents out there, and... Um, so coming to the Christmas break, a little limping a little bit here, Kevin.
1: Yeah, it was a rough week for the guys. You know, Milwaukee—they really weren't in that game at all. Even though Nick Patan did get a hat trick in the third period and try to try to will him back into the game on his own, but it just wasn't meant to be. And then um, sounds like Jesper Volstead, Came down with an injury during practice on Thursday, so you didn't have your number one goalie going for you in the games over the weekend. I thought Zane McIntyre, played very well, but you know, Volsteben he on, he can he he can um, win a game on his own if the guys in front of him are playing that well. So, you know going into the weekend without him was just um,
0: not optimal. Well, let's start with that Milwaukee game, Kevin. As the team falls behind, 6-0. So four first-period goals for Milwaukee. They add two more in the second, and you're thinking, wow, what a this, this game's a, a complete waste in a lot of ways. But as you said, Nick Patan comes back with a natural hat trick, scoring twice on the power play, once with two seconds left in the second period, adds a goal a little over a minute into the third, and then scores his the seventh goal of the season, third of the night, at 10 10-03 of the third. And so you're like, okay, well, the team is back in the contest. Both teams get one final goal over the last uh, five minutes of the game to give us the 7-4 final. And I feel kind of bad for Nick Patan. I mean, the hat trick, you guys can be kind of celebrating, but when you get kind of beat down by that, it takes away some of the luster of it, I would think.
1: Kind of reminds me, I believe it was Craig Hartsburg with the Minnesota North Stars back in the 80s. I believe he he had a hat trick as a defenseman. But he couldn't really celebrate because the North Stars end up losing like 5-4, uh, 6-5 that night.
0: You don't get to enjoy that at that moment. That's, that's for sure. They did do, re- do rebound not exactly a team player. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. They do rebound on Friday night. It didn't get off to a great start as Manitoba scores a goal with a little under two minutes left in the first period, but Nice comeback for Iowa. They scored three times in the third, including Patan coming up with his fourth goal in two games, scoring with five seconds left in the period to give them the the 3-1 victory. Uh, Stephen Fogarty, with a big moment in that game, just absolutely read a clearing pass through the middle uh, in, inside the uh, Manitoba zone perfectly. winds up getting control of the puck and scoring on that. It was a beautifully read play by him, and I was like, wow. I mean, I, I, it, it looked like a guy who was, you know, stealing signals kind of thing. But, man, n- nice play out there. Zane McIntyre, Kevin, you talked about this last week. Guys played very well, but did not have a win. So, got his first win of the season on, on Friday night.
1: Yeah, I'd imagine the team was pretty happy for him. I believe I think he hit some kind of milestone with that. I saw like a 150th win in the AHL or some achievement of that sort.
0: Saturday night, another disappointing start to this contest. Scoreless through the first period, but Manitoba comes up with two in the second and then two early in the third to grab a 4-0 lead. Patan, his ninth goal in, uh, of the season, scoring his fifth in the last three games to get the team on the board. Scores on the power play again. Sammy Walker with a power play goal in that. Uh, I And I do get one of these was an empty net shorthanded goal, but um, Iowa does give up their third shorthanded goal in three games, two in this contest, one in the one against Milwaukee. Gave up, I believe, three power play goals during the week. They did get five power play goals, the, the Iowa Wilds. So, man, it looks like this team is going to live and die with their special teams. It
1: was frustrating on Saturday because Zane McIntyre made a couple just incredible highlight reel saves. But the problem was, The guys on the ice were kind of just admiring his work and kind of forgetting, hey, we we got to get the puck cleared out. (laughs) Moose player jumped on both opportunities and put the puck behind McIntyre before he had a chance to recover. You know, just just your defense and your whole team just not paying attention to detail.
0: Patan, as we mentioned with those five goals, added two assists during the week as well for... Uh, seven points for the for the kid. And you know he's been up and down with the club a little bit. So I wonder if you gotta figure this is catching somebody's attention that if they have some room for him up there in the forward position, he might get a little more playing time up there at the big club.
1: It's tough because I mean, when batan has been up, I don't think he's got a, like a prime opportunity to skate like top line minutes and skate power play. but you know after a while, you just kind of have a guy labeled and it seems like, But is what we would call in baseball a 4A player. Very, very good in minor leagues, but just can't quite get it going at the major league or the NHL level.
0: Good description. Well, Kevin, the club, after going out to Colorado and sweeping that two-game set, will welcome the Eagles this week, Colorado entering this, uh, series is at 12 11 and four currently in seventh place not not the normal colorado we've been used accustomed to over the last few years here but uh if i was, you know they played as well against the eagles as they did when they were in loveland i believe that's right loveland colorado um a chance to come away with four points out of this week and really start to, to build a, a a dent towards catching milwaukee for second place in the division
1: Keep in mind, Volstead played incredible out there and Trill. stole the second game and earned goalie of the week honors. So I don't know what his status will be for the games this weekend, but, you know, it's, it's going to be imperative for Iowa to get um, first-rate goaltending because really the offense just doesn't really quite seem to be clicking uh, five on five-on-five.
0: Yeah, you're not kidding. And they got to be a little bit more uh, cautious, I would say, even on their own power play right now, because it's come back to haunt them sometimes. Well, let's drop down here to the ECHL, Kevin, as the Iowa Heartlanders took on the Fort Wayne Comets, came away with a one and two week uh, winning the first game four to two, then dropping Friday night's game six to two before falling on Saturday four to one. Uh, Fort Wayne is a team that entered in here, an opportunity to kind of really build a little momentum for themselves as this division as we we talked about the last few weeks is really bunched up right now starting to get a little separation at this point but still Iowa was looking for an opportunity to jump ahead of Fort Wayne and instead fall two points further behind them right now so disappointing week but again these are the kind of contests that you learn from and and this is young club really trying to build some momentum and so I'm I'm thinking not a terrible week just when I thought that they had some good lessons to learn and didn't do as well as I hoped that they would do learning those lessons.
1: No, you know it's it's time for the team to turn the corner, and you know there's been a lot of a lot of nice wins, a lot of positives in the first half. But you, when you got a team at your home rink for three games in a row, you got to establish some dominance if you're if you want to seriously be considered as a playoff team, and
0: that just had did not happen over the weekend. Well, nice comeback on Thursday night as they fell behind two to one about halfway through the second period. But Casey Dornbach ties the game with a minute ten left in the second period. Nick Campoli winds up scoring on the power play to put them on top, and they add a empty net goal with 25 seconds left in the contest to come away with the win. Hunter Jones played very well in this game. Kevin stops 34 of 36 shots to earn the victory with Peyton Jones out. And you're looking at this thinking, okay, well that was, this was a pretty big victory with your Technically, I guess number two goaltender in that. Although Jones, I'm sure, would think he was the number one guy, but a good performance by the club to come away with a big victory on on Thursday.
1: And you know that was key. And we, uh, after Thursday, you're thinking, well, you know what? Maybe this could be a good weekend. And you know, for Jones, played very well, and then because of Voltz's injury, was summoned
0: to the Iowa Wild. So Peyton Jones does return on Friday, Kevin. Um, Drew DeRitter gets to start. He gives up four goals uh, before being pulled from the contest. However, though, as uh, Fort Wayne scores three times in the first period, adds a goal, 57 seconds into the second. That was it for DeRitter at that point as he came out with a team trailing 4-1. Uh, Brett Budgel gets his second goal in as many nights to make it, uh, to get get the team on the, on the scoreboard in the first place. They do add a late, uh, excuse me, an early period, uh, period goal in the second period to get make it four to two. But Fort Wayne scores the final two goals of the contest to come away with a six to two victory. Uh, DeRitter winds up giving four goals on 16 shots. Peyton Jones did come in for the remaining portion of the contest, playing almost two full periods, gives up two goals on 14 shots. Um, DeRitter, you know, the number three guy. So I'm not stunned by a tough performance. Um, But a, kind of a disappointing one after a big victory on Thursday that they dropped that contest. I just, that's really I, the way I would look at it. You know, without us not really having an outlet to give
1: inside information on the team, you'd have to wonder if Peyton Jones was battling an illness because I can't imagine any other reason you'd go to DeRitter. who's a capable goaltender, mind you? Sure. Why you would go to DeRitter for... Game two and not Peyton Jones, so we'll just have to try to assume some things, and maybe Peyton Jones was under the weather, but was
0: good enough to relieve him during the game on Friday. Good observation there, Kevin. On Saturday night, Yuki Miura scores his fourth goal of the season, 12-10 into the contest to make it one nothing. Then it was all Fort Wayne from there as they deliver four unanswered goals, including two on the power play and an empty net tally. Peyton Jones does go the distance in this contest, stopping 33 of 36 shots. Looked very good in the contest, for sure. Um, no doubt that this guy uh, is proving that he should have a future within the system, um, but really getting a good performance. Uh, unfortunately, he's still come away 1-2 and two against Fort Wayne. Uh, what that leaves the club at right now, Kevin, as we look at the standings is uh, Iowa in fourth place in this division with 27 points. They are at 11, 12, and 5. So... One point ahead of Kalamazoo, two points ahead of Cincinnati, but one point behind Fort Wheeling and four points behind Fort Wayne in this division. I mean, man, this is going to be an exciting stretch. Four months of hockey for this league, for sure. Yes, right now Iowa does have most
1: games played within the Division Two, and if you go percentage points-wise, the Heartlanders would be sixth. So that just tells you. I mean, you got you got to take care of your home ice and get points there because, I mean, a, a bad week you're you're dropping two or three spots. So imperative for the Hardlanders to get back on track.
0: Well, the team's going to jump out of the division this week, Kevin, as they head to Rapid City, a place that is not easy to play. And, and I you know I've got to watch this you know Wichita Thunder cut up there to uh, Rapid City, and that is not. It's not an easy rink. I'm just going to say that straight out. Uh, I, I get that Rapid City's not having a phenomenal year, but they are a team that battles hard. They're, for those of you who listen to Kevin and I on on our show about American Association Baseball, they're very much like the Gary Salshaw Railcats, just a pesky team that always seems to be in the action. And it's a, if you're not playing 60 minutes of hockey, you're going to be really unhappy at the end of that night, because they do. They, they play tough and hard from start to finish. So it will be an interesting test to see how two young teams face off against each other, two teams with playoff aspirations right now, trying to build on that. And I, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what the Heartlanders do. Cause I think this is their first trip, if I'm not wrong to rapid city. So interesting to see how the team embraces that. It's going to be interesting
1: to see if they make it out there. Luckily the game's not till Friday because right now as dry as it is, in most of the U.S., there is a major winter storm in South Dakota that has shut I-90 down from Mitchell, South Dakota right out of Sioux Falls all the way out to Wall Drug, which I think is an hour from, from uh, Rapid City. So hopefully that clears out, though, by the time Iowa has to
0: hop on the bus and make the long drive. You do have to remember that there are some places in the country where weather is a serious factor, and uh, we'll go on with some some games and particular nights. So, Rapid City, by the way, fifth place in the Mountain Division. They are 11, 14, and two. I don't think I said that, but I'm gonna say that now. Um, so, uh, pretty exciting week. I'm I'm looking forward to this for sure. Well, Kevin, let's talk about we are at sort of a, uh, the end, end of the year coming up here and kind of a, a, a near-mythical midpoint as we're approaching all-star breaks in all these leagues as well. And let's start with the Minnesota Wild, Kevin, as they enter this um, the, coming into the, the end-of-year break here. And some teams will have ECHL and AHL take a little bit of break around um, New Year's Eve. Uh, a lot of teams play after New Year's Eve, then have a few days off to give the NHL the showcase there. But Minnesota Wild—they're in seventh place right now, Kevin. If you think about it, just ten points behind the top two teams in this division, I mean, it's not insurmountable that they could get up that high with the way that they are playing right now. And so, what are your just thoughts as you look forward for this Minnesota Wild team? That you, what, what, what is this team capable of doing? Do you think?
1: Right now, if I were them, I wouldn't even be looking at the Central Division standings. I think right now, you first focus on the standings for the wild card, which you see them, I believe, two points out of the second wild card spot with the game in hand on Arizona, and they're one point. The only team between them and Arizona is St. Louis, and St. Louis is one point behind Arizona, so... Right now, you just focus on getting into a playoff spot, and then after that, maybe you chop away at the deficit in the division.
0: By the way that you've seen this club look and the fact that there have been a number of injuries and you're likely going to get some of these guys back to help for a big stretch run, is this team a playoff? Are they playoff bound, Kevin? Oh, I think I'm losing you. Oh, I lost Kevin. What happened to Kevin? I'm there. You cut out. Oh, there we go. There we go. Okay. So let let me ask that again. So Kevin, as you look at these standings right now, um, you, as you talked about, just two points behind Arizona in the standings right now, um, is is this team playoff bound?
1: I believe they can if they get healthy and just keep playing the way they have for the last. Um, 30 days.
0: Yeah, I, I think this team has a very legitimate shot. 7-3 and 0 in their last 10, playing very good hockey right now. And and it was interesting, too, Kevin, because last year this team got off to a tough start, especially just struggling to shut down opponents on their own end. I mean, they were, they were giving up a lot of 6-4 games and things like that. And then I think it was about this time that they really started playing exceptional hockey and rallied to get, they'll make a a run for the top spot in the division even so it's not insurmountable to think that this team could be a very serious contender in this division but maybe they don't get first or second colorado and dallas look very good but i I think this is a team that could still wind up for that third place team in this division
1: you know just uh once again the central division is all stacked you know it doesn't even if you get within the top three of your own division, you're still you're still going to have a tough go of it in the first round. We look at last year; I believe they got third in the division, and their gift for that was a Dallas Stars team that was, I thought, very capable
0: of going to the Cup finals, even though they did not. Down in the AHL, Kevin, Texas looks like the best team in this division. Not just because they have the top record, but they do look like. A very competitive team. I mean, a team that's going to be hard to wind up surpassing in here. But I'll be honest with you, two through six, I feel like this is wide open. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a little down on Chicago at the moment, but I think that there's an advantage that Chicago will come to in a minute, Kevin. But as you look at that, Iowa Wild have just as good a chance as anybody else in this division. I feel maybe even a little bit stronger chance in here, so I feel pretty good about their playoff hopes. I think the only thing
1: stopping Texas at this point is Dallas making a blockbuster trade to bring in another another piece and train away Logan Stamkoven and/or Maverick Borg because I mean those guys are just burning up the AHL right now and the big reason why Texas is running away with the division. But you're right, from there on out, I mean it's anyone's anyone's um division to be had and. You just hope that Iowa, can, Iowa just hasn't had that really big hot streak yet this year, and you just hope that's coming up pretty soon here.
0: Now, what's interesting about this division to me, Kevin, is the fact of, as you said, T- Texas is likely not robbing their minor league system to, to help, unless they have some serious injuries that go on here. If they're going to lose guys that down in the AHL, it's going to be portrayed, as you talked about. But I could see every one of these other teams in their division having call-ups to to help. If a guy got hot down there at the AHL club, they are like, okay, you're, you're coming up here to Chicago or you're coming up here to Winnipeg or something. So I think it's very interesting to see how the NHL clubs fare to see how well these AHL teams in the Central Division will work out because that dynamic, I think, is going to be the biggest part of what might happen in this division is what happens to the big clubs and how they're bringing guys up.
1: And you can't really count out Chicago either because they got an anti-Rodtown loan from Carolina. So they now have a goalie with extensive NHL experience that's looking to find his game again.
0: And why I don't rule them out, Kevin, is because they're the team that probably won't be robbed by their NHL club because they don't have one. So unless another team is able to work out a deal to bring a guy to their NHL club or something like that, this team could very well stay intact uh, without being touched by anybody. And so the chemistry I think would be great for them. And I think that this could be a dark horse team. Are they going to come back and get fourth or fifth place in the division? No, you're just four points behind Manitoba right now for a a club that, oh God, I think they were like one and seven or one and eight at one point or something. So they're playing better hockey. and, and, And so, why Why couldn't this team be a playoff contender?
1: Well, conversely to that, though, if they get a player hot, there's not a parent team that's going to look at bringing that player up. There's 30 teams True. that have the same opportunity to sign that guy and get him in their organization. It's kind of like what we follow with Partner League Baseball, so you know, there is a con to the pro.
0: Fourth place for the Iowa Heartlanders, as you and I are talking here today on the day after Christmas. And they're holding one point ahead of Kalamazoo, as I said, two points ahead of Cincinnati. Just four points ahead of Indy, by the way, too. That's, a, that's not a far stretch in this division. I think that this team could legitimately pass Wheeling. I think this could be a very a serious third-place team. Um, but for me, I guess my biggest thought is how well does Peyton Jones and if Hunter Jones is here, how, how well do those two mesh together and continue to thrive? Is Peyton Jones a guy who leads his team to the playoffs?
1: Well, not only is it the goaltending, but it's also the defense in front of them that they're clearing guys out. So the goalie can get clear looks at shots too. So, you know, it's not. Can't just pin it all on the goalie's individual skills. You know, the guys in front of them have to be playing the game right, too.
0: Well, Kevin, we're entering the New Year time here. And uh, for fans that didn't know this, you were actually at the Winter Classic game on New Year's Day. They were at Target Field a couple of years ago. And uh, would you mind just sharing some thoughts about that on, on this New Year's arrival?
1: Well, I love to sh- I love to give you a story of a great night out and a memory to last a lifetime. But unfortunately for me, it's not going to go down in uh, if I was ever important enough to write an autobiography. It's not going to go down as a good memory because I was getting sick at that time, and the night of the game, it was like I think puck drop. It was eight below zero. And even though I was I was looking like Randy Parker from um Christmas story, I was so bundled up. But I was just miser- I was just miserable that night. It was just way too cold out and don't figure now the the last two New Year's days have been really good weather. But two days after that I wound up in the hospital with a combination of COVID and pneumonia. I don't think it's from that game. I think it was just something that was coming on. So love to tell you a story about uh, what a great
0: night, but not a lot of fuzzy mem- fuzzy good memories there. You know, I want to say that one of the things that has always made NHL lore great is those stories about, you know, the Toronto defenseman who breaks his leg in game six and comes back to play in game seven, you know, with a broken leg. You know, it, it's stories like that, that that always make the NHL stand out from, from other professional baseball, professional leagues out there. Um, but see, it's not just the players, Kevin, it's the fans out there, pneumonia and COVID out there at the game. See, that that just goes to pro. You're, you're a true NHL guy.
1: Yeah, for better or for worse. Unfortunately, in, in that case, it was for worse. <laughs> but, you know, after going, oh, go ahead. after going, I would say, you know, for people that are thinking about going to one of those games, if it's in the baseball stadium, don't let the distance deter you. Go for upper deck seats behind... Because usually they put the, the ice from first base to third base. Opt for the upper level behind home plate because that will be your best view of the action. Don't go for lower level yeah. because you'll... The slope's not there and you'll be not able to see a lot of stuff because of the boards, opt for upper tank. And like I said, um, go for upper level behind home plate because that will be your best view.
0: Fantastic. Kevin, thanks for joining us this week. My pleasure.